Welcome to Bloombox Growing Deeper. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah. And we're on a mission to help you become the gardener you want to be. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bloombox Growing Deeper. We're so happy to have you here. And this is our first recording post-February. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> I feel like you guys have been hearing us, yeah. but I feel like we're back. Yeah. Because we pre-recorded a whole bunch of those episodes. So also, if you were listening and going, that's not blooming right now, that was all based on guesses. And you know what? Mother Nature threw us a big boomerang right there, a left hook, whatever you want to call it, because nothing bloomed on time this year. No, I. it was actually kind of okay mm-hmm. that I was late getting the mushroom podcast out because you said what's blooming with your catalpa tree and that was not true right <laughs> on our scheduled release date yeah they're not they're still not they're blooming. still not blooming mine it's just fully leafed out so late so dry. but i don't know if it's so late for what it should actually be or if we just got used to early blooms well yeah i don't know i i do think this year, it was not temperature-based, but water. Totally. Um, and I have gotten, you know, I guess we'll just jump right in. This is a listener yeah. question episode. And one of the questions that I got a lot this year was, how come my XYZ isn't up? I'm afraid it died. Yep. Everything came up pretty late this year, unless it was in an area that was getting supplemental water. So I've seen more variation this year than I have any other year mm-hmm. with every plant perennials trees everything something that is blooming in my backyard hasn't even come up in my front yard yes like i had plants on the side of my garage up really early and the same plant in my front yard is just now like getting its mm -hmm. second set of leaves so yeah let's just be patient that's the like it's the worst so funny that we're gardeners and that's a hobby that requires a lot of patience and most of us have little to none (laughs) i put myself firmly in the none category well i think in nebraska it's hard too because our growing season is so short we just want it we just want it we want it up now so that we have time to get it where we want it to Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes i dream of like oh if i lived in a in a place that I could have a garden year-round. Wouldn't that be so amazing? I could work in my garden all year. And then I remember by the end of the summer how tired I am of, like, pulling more weeds. And if you want to live in a place with a garden year-round, it's hot. It's really, really hot. Northern California doesn't get that hot. True. (laughs) Or, like, I just realized how many problems there were with that statement. There's lots of very temperate places. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well... We're going to go on kind of a tangent to start with about water. Um, We're going to take up more time than we're going to devote to any other question. And there's no one particular question. This is just based on the constant influx of questions Mm -hmm. we get about watering, when, how long. The drought right now. The drought right now. What it would take to get out of the drought right now. Yeah. That's so, an answer we don't have. I don't have that answer. You're I going mean, into- I do. Simplistically, it's more water. <laughs> yes, but Rain. how much more water? Yeah. Uh, that's beyond us to tell you. Uh-huh. But we can talk about nor- what we normally prescribe for establishment water and how we're adjusting to it yeah. this year. First, did you have anything die over the winter that you've yes. been able to identify yet? I lost an ironweed. Oh, wow. One lived, one died. In the same general Uh vicinity. Um, Don't know. One was bigger in the fall. Mm -hmm. I also, I have like very aggressive squirrels (laughs) in my yard. So it might have been a squirrel. I had multiple plants. I lost a ground plum. One's there, one's not. But there's a nice plant sized hole where it was supposed (laughs) to be. So I'm putting that on the squirrels. I'm putting that one to the squirrels. Yeah, Yeah. 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 How about you? Um, I lost a well-established flowering dogwood. Yeah. That's surprising. But just the bottom has leafed out and is flowering, but it's not worth keeping. Bummer. Yeah. My so. desert willow died back a little bit. Yeah. But it's fine. It's it's coming up. It just mm-hmm. needs a trim. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you were worried about that made it? 
You know, I forget about gardens in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) I just have other things to worry about. So actually, I didn't think about it at all until the spring and things started coming up. And I was here in the office listening to you answer phone calls constantly, telling people (laughs) to just wait longer. (laughs) So I didn't worry too much. And... Yeah, I was very surprised about the dogwood because yeah, it was that's a bummer. planted before we bought the house. So it's been there for a long time. Um, but everything else has pretty much come back the way, yeah. it, the way it needed to. So I was really happy with our buckley oak. It's had, so this is its third summer. Mm-hmm. So we planted it when Silas was born. So this is its third summer. And every year it's lost about like an inch off the tip of each branch. Uh-huh. Nothing this year. Hey. It put on a foot of growth last wow. year and it kept that whole foot. There you go. And I was like, okay, well maybe you just like a drought. I don't know. <laughs> I will take my statement back a little bit because I did plant some peonies that I split mm. from my grandma's house in like the heat of the summer last summer because she sold her house so we had to go split things right then if we wanted stuff and we all wanted grandma's peonies yep so I did worry about those but they came back good so good those were one of the few things that I like religiously watered yeah last year I am having to make sure so um you know I mentioned on the podcast that I really wanted a clove current mm-hmm. and one of our lovely listeners brought me one a cutting from his to oh, spring so affair nice. it was so nice and so I have it planted the thing is it's not planted in a garden and so I have to I'm reminding mm-hmm. myself to walk over there it had yeah. some roots on it but it, it definitely needed some water to get established mm-hmm. and I'm having to remind myself to go around the corner and water yeah. it do our listeners know what happened with your rock area? Oh, well, they heard. <laughs> us, Sorry. Well, they heard us talking about how it was going to happen. Right. So we need to give so an update. So we should give an update. Okay. Well, the rock area is no longer a rock area. There were bodies underneath, there, by the way. There were no bodies. We found nothing <laughs> of interest <laughs> except some tree roots, <laughs> which uh, I told my dad that you would be bummed about and he should, you know stick something in there yeah and just send me a picture yeah there was Mm -hmm. nothing of note um lots of ants tree roots the rocks are gone nice we um kind of changed the shape of it a little like i mean it's still a rectangle but we lowered an area and we raised an area Mm -hmm. nick built a little retaining wall um kind of in a half circle away from our house Mm -hmm. so that we made a patio behind it so it's kind of like a little room in the plants and then we filled down from that retaining wall Mm -hmm. and then we dug out a little bit on the lower edge just to collect water i didn't want it running out onto the sidewalk so it is planted it's mulched the patio's in place i think there's a little leveling left to be done on Mm -hmm. the patio but we sat there and had a beer twice already there you go so perfect i'm so excited everything is establishing we I learned a little bit of a lesson or just like to think about something that hadn't occurred to me. Half that garden is part shade or and or almost full shade, like Mm -hmm. really very little sun. The other half is full sun. Yeah. I knew that and I planted for that. But we planted right after spring affair and our maple tree wasn't leafed out yet. Oh, so. So when we planted, it was all in full sun and it was hot and dry. So I did have, we did have to do some aggressive watering. Yeah. Yeah. And now the maple's leafed out and everything is settling in. That's good. I think it'll be fine in the future years. Just the like recent planting Mm -hmm. was kind of stressful. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, good. I will share a couple of pictures, but we're pretty happy with it. I love it. Yes. Perfect. I have to say, I don't wish bodies on on just you. <laughs> <laughs> on anybody who digs a hole? Anybody who digs a hole. We are, as you know, remodeling the basement. Uh-huh. And we have to break up some concrete down there. And we found uh, like a just a big hole oh. under our concrete. And I was like, oh, it's my chance. <laughs> Prime treasure hiding. <laughs> yeah. Secrets. There was nothing. It I was mean, empty. you see those things on Reddit about right? like weird things I found when I remodeled my house. Uh-huh. We found nothing but a lot of trash yeah just garbage (laughs) Mm -hmm. i keep hoping 
we have a storeroom to tear out one of these there years, you go. so maybe there'll be something. I think it's just going to be the where the coal came in. Yes. I don't think it's going to yeah. be anything interesting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Shall we get into our questions yeah. or more watering? Well, we're going to start with oh, watering. Oh, you watering. Yes. So it's kind of like, it's an always question. I can't put anyone's name on this question because everyone asks it. So, the basics. Yes. What what we we start with is the base of watering mm-hmm. for perennials. It's a six to eight week establishment period. And the first two weeks, we water every other day. Right. So week one and two, every other day. Week three and four, twice a week. Okay. Week five through six to eight is about once a week. And then after that, you're still technically an establishment, but you're not in the aggressive part. Yeah. And you're pretty much just keeping an eye on stuff and... Um, Maybe watering when we don't have rain for more than two weeks, but you're not like <laughs> um, constantly so watering. And, yeah, so that's like the the base. That's where we start. Now this year, you can just assume you're gonna water all summer. I think unless the weather really changes. I'm really thinking about just putting soaker hoses in all of my beds even the established ones because i hate hauling around my sprinkler uh uh-huh and i have a feeling it's going to be a lot more watering than i am used to i think so so what i've been telling some projects is there's a few who um you know we planted um in omaha on south 24th street and that is plants in concrete planters on a concrete street and so we told them that first two weeks you're gonna water every day and then we're gonna start that eight week cycle so if you're planting in somewhere that's really that hot and dry you might start every day i had to in my rock area we did some clematis and some chamomile right up against the house and that's the full sun part and between the house and the new patio it was so reflective I watered those every day, and now I've backed off. We're now at, like, a couple times a week. But you can adjust that. You can add. You can you can subtract. I don't think we're going to be doing that this year. Yeah, it's just going to be a lot of watering. Yeah. I, inve- I, I in- would encourage investing in hoses. <laughs> yes. It, take, take the time. Uh-huh. They'll pay off. And yeah. so let's talk, how, let's talk types how we water mm-hmm. and then then we'll talk how much because you kind of measure how much based on how you're right watering. so the kind of the lovely rule is the better for the plant the harder for you yes so the best for the plant is a watering wand individually yeah. water every single plant yeah i'm not doing that yeah that's I, with a few plants i agree I, I have a few target plants mm-hmm. um that are just out of reach of my soaker hoses mm-hmm. now that's kind of the easiest to measure because at first when we're watering a lot we can do like a count of five or six and then as we back off we go to a count of 10 and to a count of 20 that's how i water i mean longer amounts as yeah, you back off as you back okay. off we water longer so okay. at first the plant is a little, little bitty it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if we deep water because its roots aren't there that makes sense and what we're trying to do is keep that plant alive while it gets through the shock and yes. that's going to start putting out little roots so do you think the plants are screaming at us because we learned that this year no i don't think so are you sure i think they might be maybe <laughs> i mean what i've definitely tortured are, like, my so relaxed in your garden and in the plants minds they're all just screaming they're just being tortured <laughs> I'm pretty oh God, relaxed. Oh no. and I was. We're gonna have to. T- we're, we'll get to yeah, a debate yeah, yeah. about do we water established yeah. gardens. I shocked somebody at a project last week. So I was like, yeah, I don't water it if it's established. Uh-uh. I don't water it. I don't know if that'll change this summer. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be pretty harsh. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Okay, you, you did. Now, what was I um, talking about? Young plants were watering shorter, but more oh, frequently. Yes. And then as they put out those feeler roots, that's not a technical term. I made that up because it <laughs> seems to make sense to people. So the like week three and four, we're backing off a little bit and we're going to count mm-hmm. to 10. Um, okay. So we get water a little deeper down. With Mississippis or Mississippi-lessly? One, <laughs> two, 
three. I needed to four, throw in a friend. Five. That's friend's reference for you. <laughs> I, <laughs> this is I didn't catch it. Um, <laughs> that's how I count. Okay. And and I will say after like a couple years of watering, I don't count. I just kind of know how yeah, long yeah, it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's how I teach people. Uh-huh. As we back off, we water longer. Mm-hmm. less often because we push that water further down into the soil and we get the plant's roots to kind of chase it down. Okay. If we kept just surface watering, and this is why I don't like it when people use the overhead sprinklers, mm-hmm. we tend to really underestimate the amount of water those are putting down. Yeah, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. And, not a, and of what water you've put out, even less of it gets to the soil surface because mm-hmm. a lot of it ends up on the leaves. And so... All that shallow watering, we just end up with a lot of very shallow rooted plants mm-hmm. because it doesn't do them any good to put deep roots down. All their water's at the surface. Yeah. And then if we do forget to water for a couple of days, we see it. Mm-hmm. So while we're watering really often, we do shallow. And then we do more water less often. Yes. Okay. Okay. And one way you can find out is your handy-dandy trick to put a rain gauge under the sprinkler to know exactly how much water is hitting. But that sprinkler or that rain gauge needs to be down. It can't be the, like, big one you hang on your fence. It's got to be the little one that you stick Stick in in the the ground ground. underneath your plants Mm because that's what happens. So watering wants best. Mm -hmm. Worst is overhead sprinklers. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we can't use them. Sometimes (laughs) we have to. Um, But I'm thinking, like, the one that makes the flat line of water and oscillates back and forth and yes. all the kids play in it in the summer. And it goes t- t- 10 feet in the air. Yeah. Probably. Probably the worst. Yeah. Second mm-hmm. worst is whatever Menards is doing with these stupid <laughs> sprinklers on a stick. What, <laughs> what is happening? Like Why? the ones that stand four yes. feet up. What is going on? Why are we putting our sprinklers on sticks? I don't, I don't get know. it. I don't get it. I don't know. So what's happening is now uh, we have even more water up in the air. And it makes me laugh because like NRCS is funding farmers to make their center pivots closer to right. the ground. And then so we've that got they hit the soil. Our garden centers <laughs> right. selling you taller ones. Yeah. So I think I know why it is. It's because they can reach further. Yes. Fine, whatever, but you got way less water down on the ground. It feels more efficient, even though it isn't. Yeah, it's not more efficient. The more water we have in the air, the less water we have in our plants. And then what we have to think about is, so we have evaporation happening when we launch our water 10 feet in the air. And then... Especially when it's super hot. Yeah. These sprinklers are made for grass because grass blades are narrow and vertical and pretty short. So we can spray water across the top of them. But if you think about a penstemon, its leaves are like as wide as my hand. And they're like an umbrella. And so when we water from the top of those, we fill those leaves with water. And we don't get that much down to the ground. So the water, we've lost them to evaporation. And now we're losing even more to being collected on the leaves. So we're not efficiently getting water to our plant roots and... The water collected on the leaves is a magnifying glass for when the sun comes out and it'll burn your plants up. Mm-hmm. And when people say, my prairie garden is always flopping and I have a lot of mildew, I can almost always say, you water with a sprinkler, don't you? Because that, that's what happens. The leaves collect the water. We get mildew problems. We get weight that wasn't supposed to be on those plants causing flopping issues. And then we also often end up with shallow rooted plants that can't support themselves. Mm-hmm. My rant for the day is yes. done. Maybe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the middle. Soaker hoses. Yes. I have a preferred soaker hose. You do? Okay. Yes. I find the black ones that are supposed to just slow leak the mm-hmm. whole time are terrible. Really? I, I love my I black soakers. I cannot get those to work. Really? Maybe. I have to admit, I'm a, you know, I'm in an old house. My water pressure, pressure. is not great. So I think that's the problem there. Yeah. So I like, uh, there's a, I don't know what the brand is, but it's like a green hose and on one side it has white stripes and and that's where the holes are. And so you can decide if you want the white stripe up or down, depending on how the holes, 
whether you want it to spray up or go straight or maybe into even the sideways soil. across that's a my hack okay. i do it sideways love it so that it sprays across the ground so that there's a lot of water going in at the soil level um but not like straight down into the right. soil. It's still kind of spreading it out a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. I really like that because I love, I actually really love my black hoses. Mm-hmm. Now there are good ones and bad ones. Yeah, I might have just got bad. Well, I one. noticed I was having problems with one mm-hmm. and I hauled it over to work on it and realized it looks different than mm-hmm. my other ones. So the really nice round ones have been working really good for me. This one's like, almost kind of like it was flat until it got full of water oh yeah and it was probably cheaper would be my guess yeah i chucked that one it was not working um but i but and i love them they work really well but they do put water down right down the line of the hose yeah and how long do you have to use them because i swear mine was on forever and i like dug up some of the soil right underneath and it. you didn't have much Mm-mm. it is a longer process i run mine for an hour and a half to two hours oh okay My, forever to me is 20 minutes <laughs> that yeah that, no i was like this should be enough no <laughs> okay so it's passive, but it's it's slow. <laughs> I will totally forget to turn it off. Um, you can get a timer. So, like, 15 bucks, you can get a little timer. Right. Um, I can just set a timer on my phone. You can. But, I mean, like, one that even if you were Would shut it yeah. off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like what you're talking about, though, because it'll kind of spread that water out a mm-hmm. little bit more. And that's that's a really good idea. It was a more expensive hose. That's but okay. I have used the same one to For establish different gardens. Yes. Throughout. I think I'm going to buy some extras this year since, as we're saying, we might have to might water have to. some established gardens. And the one I buy is 50 feet at Baumgars right. for $15. Yeah. It's super cheap. Um, yeah. I And I do the same. Like, my vegetable garden always has one. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yes. they are only in the garden I'm establishing. Yep. And as previously noted, I don't water established <laughs> gardens. So they're not a permanent installation yeah. except for my vegetables. That's what makes them different from some people think of drip irrigation. Yes. And that can be semi-permanent or permanent. Right. There's not a lot of functional difference. It's really just... A drip irrigation system is kind of just a really professional soaker hose. You can, mm-hmm. like, you can get the ones where you you get to poke the holes at the right. range yes. you want, and you can put emitters on them that let out X gallons an hour. Yeah, those are pricey. They're pricey. They take a little bit of knowledge, and they seem to break a lot. In my yes. experience, yeah. they break a lot. And if they're buried, then they definitely break a lot just to make you dig them up right <laughs> so they work but they they're kind of more i wouldn't use them unless i was professionally growing vegetables and needed to like efficiently yep. water specific plants mm-hmm. so what do you what are your feelings about in-ground sprinklers we have them as garden watering oh it's garden watering um not, they ah well i just know that we have some people who have yeah reworked their sprinklers to spray into their beds Um, as a a watering method rather they spray into your beds than onto your sidewalk sure Mm -hmm. but i consider them kind of equal um Mm -hmm. so we have in-ground sprinklers we use them to water our grass we Mm -hmm. don't run them on a timer i will say partly because i have no clue how the thing works (laughs) and partly because well, we have to shut, because we live in an old house, we have to shut it off or it leaks everywhere. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good because it's not on a timer. It's under our control. They're very efficient at watering our lawn. Mm-hmm. We can redirect them. Um, when they hit my garden beds, I don't really count it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me angry because it makes my plants flop. Right, so right. there's a little yeah. bit of a battle in our house about the <laughs> pointing of the sprinkler. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would rather drag out the hose to water a portion of a little portion of the yard and keep the sprinkler out of my garden because mm-hmm. it's it's the same. It's no different than that oscillating or s- right. circular sprayer. It, mm-hmm. They do put down more water than those. I will say yeah. that they can yeah. put out a lot of water. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are using, say, you all all you have is that little like sunflower yeah. decorated sprinkler yeah that shoots it up into there how long so there there's actually some hacks for making those work pretty well okay we should have talked about that probably yeah they're not like all evil (laughs) we just have to run them a little different than people do run them low yes so don't turn the pressure on all the way Mm -hmm. and move them a lot so yeah the rosette one i think is what you're talking about Mm -hmm. where it comes out like as a circle and sprays outward yes those work actually they can work really well what you have to do is keep them maybe only like a foot and a half off the ground mm-hmm. and then you just move them a lot. Yeah. Um, as far as how long, the best thing you can do is put a rain gauge mm-hmm. out, find out how long it takes to get an inch of water down and run them for that long. Yeah. It's hard for me to tell you because they're almost all different and you're going to run it at not the rate the box says when you, right. you know, it wants you to crank the water all the way up. So right, right, right. that's what I would do. Um, if you don't have a rain gauge, a uh, tuna can, tuna right? Tuna can, yep. It's a good hack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any, any shallow flat dish. Yeah. I will say that might actually work better because um, a rain gauge can be too tall and mm-hmm. skinny. Um, and you're just looking for half an inch to an inch of water. It, if you go to a tuna can, it doesn't need to be a full inch because you're, right. you're spreading that mm-hmm. out. Um, but I'm a fan of measuring instead of guessing. Yeah. Soaker hoses are pretty predictable. Right. Pretty much all of your garden center soaker hoses put out the same amount of water. Mm-hmm. And I run mine for about an hour and a half minimum. Two hours, two and a half hours. <laughs> I ran it for like 30 to 35 minutes while I was walking the dog. And I was like, that should be enough. No. I don't. So maybe I got to give my soaker hose another try. You might have to give it another try. The... It takes a little more water because it just goes down in a line. Yeah, yeah. And there's, when I'm establishing stuff, I try to make, I use more hose than necessary and get the hose up to each plant. Mm-hmm. And then as, you know, if I'm just running it, you know, in maybe like a two month old garden, then you can kind of run it down between the rows. Cause you know, those plant roots have spread out more. I, I'm just personally a really big fan of the soaker hoses because it minimizes all, it minimizes air. You don't have to count. You can set a timer. We have next to no evaporation. Now, maybe the, this is where the watering one is better, is it's easy to miss a, a plant with yeah. your soaker hose. And if you min- miss a plant with a watering wand, you probably won't miss the same one every time. Right. And it is a little more noticeable with a watering wand right. as well. There's a dry spot and a wet spot, mm-hmm. so it helps. Yep. Okay. All right. Is that watering? Let's leave it alone. We've okay. gone on for like half an hour about oh, watering no. now. Okay. We could talk tree watering, but we'll leave that for Michelle to post on social media. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Five-gallon bucket. Your lawn sprinklers do not count as tree watering. Basically, your lawn sprinklers don't count for anything except lawn. Yeah, so. that's what they were designed for, and they that's what they they do it very well. Yes. All right. What's our first question? Okay. Do you want to do managing prairie plants or weeds? Because we have questions in both those categories. Do you want to go to something happy for a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So, our two managing prairie plant questions are. What do we do with things that look really good until after they bloom and then they flop everywhere? Mm-hmm. And maybe some prime candidates for this are coneflowers and sages right? and some of the goldenrods. Mm-hmm. There are other plants, but I think those are like those consistent. Are, those are our floppy friends. Yeah. What do you do about them? Leave them. <laughs> let them flop. <laughs> I generally just let them flop unless they're in a spot where they can't flop so like i had that batesia that flops over onto my car because i planted it in the wrong spot and so i use a little bit of tape like the green landscapey tape Mm -hmm. and it's right next to my fence so i can just tie one into the fence and loop it around and tie the other into the fence and it holds it up so that my car doesn't run over it and then I also had a problem where my um, uh, sage was my big one Mm -hmm. was falling pitcher sage was falling over 
that's the big one, right? Pitcher stage. Yeah. Was falling over onto the grill and we did light it on fire. <laughs> a of I times. love that. So, I mean, I don't. I'm happy you didn't catch on fire, but I think right. that's hilarious. So we tie that one back too. It probably just thought you needed to do a little smudging. Yeah, you know, it was fine, but also not. Not <laughs> ideal. Okay. I do pretty similar things. So I go back and forth between like handling the flop and mm-hmm. preventing the flop. Right. And I, that landscape tape's a great idea. I got those circles on sticks. Oh, yep. Where the, it's like a little wire mm-hmm. circle that sits horizontally on a stick. Yes. And they're green, so they blend in. And it really only holds up like one or two, right. maybe three stalks of a plant, mm-hmm. but it supports it. Um, some of my plants like aren't near anything I could tie them to. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do for like, I have a delphinium that likes to flop and sometimes it's just the fact that they're first or second year plants. Yes. Because last year I had to do that for my ironweed and this year it's very sturdy. Yeah. So sometimes it might just be that it's young. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do is a lot of plants that bloom later, we can cut them back early. Right. Cause them to stiffen their branching structure up a little and then... So, like, say we take the sage. That's a really Mm -hmm. good one to do this with. It likes to put up, like, one or two really long spindly stems. Well, if we go about this time of year, like, maybe the first week or so of June and cut it back to four inches, maybe six inches. And then from where we cut it, we cut it just above a set of leaves. So that's a node where Mm -hmm. the leaves are come out. And that node will force out new branches. Mm -hmm. And then instead of having one big fluff of flowers, we have smaller fluffs on more stems that have a better chance of holding up and they'll be a little shorter. So that can be done to pretty much anything that blooms after the beginning of July. What? Because you've recommended that same thing with mountain mint too, right? Mm -hmm. I do that with my mountain mint sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. There's there's like one of my mountains I do, and the others are further enough in the garden that yeah. they don't. You don't worry about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cone flowers are kind of easy because we can just take out the flower stem. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the plant is more like a rosette of leaves. So, yeah. And that can also help with a seeding problem. Yeah, if you, if have, you have that. Yeah. Uh huh. I want mine to seed. Yeah, I do too. So, so I like to leave mine. I guess. I haven't had coneflower for a few years because I had that mold issue on the roots. And I just planted more in the last spring. I planted some more and they came back beautifully this year. So we'll see. But I haven't. So I haven't had to deal with floppy coneflowers. For a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mine got aster yellows. Oh, yeah. But they, they left behind babies and I'm hoping the babies will be fine. Yeah. I wonder if something like those peony rings would work yeah, for coneflowers. And I just saw some in this garden magazine that's like, it's like a peony ring, but then it has mm-hmm. a second set in the middle. It's like those things you put, a frog that you put in a flower vase. It doesn't look like a frog. It looks like a plate with holes in it. Okay. And you put it on the top of your vase, and mm-hmm. then you put flowers in the holes, yes, and it yes. holds it shaped like a bouquet. Yes. So I think what you'd do with this is you'd set the ring over the plant before it starts growing mm-hmm. and it will come up through those okay and then be supported yeah i guess sure yeah okay mm-hmm. so the next question i got kind of follows that up and that's what to do with plants like prairie plants that want to seed in your garden mm-hmm. and comb flowers a prime candidate let them do that it. I let a lot of them stay. I am actually really happy I got coneflower babies because I had to take my coneflowers out. Right. You're just thin as needed. Yeah. And do it early. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I had a crop of like 20 coneflower babies and I only need like five, but I pulled them early in the spring and so they're easy to pull up. Yeah. If you know, if you can identify them and and that'll just get better as you garden, Mm -hmm. then you know what they are early and you can just yank, yank, yank. However, I have found that every so often I pull, like if I don't want a coneflower baby and I accidentally pull a liatris. (laughs) I know. They don't even look that much. They kind of do shush. (laughs) When they're very little, they do. (laughs) Okay. Because they both just have two Thin little spikes up. Okay, I guess when they're don't really wait, little. Don't do it that early. Like, yeah. I wait until... Sometimes I'm like, I'm here now. Yeah, yeah. 
and you you don't want to forget mm-hmm. when you get busy. I do. I'm not somebody who pulls weeds the second they're seedlings. If I am not positive on the ID, they'll still pull in two weeks. I let things get there. The first leaf that comes out of a seed is called the cotyledon, and a lot of them look the same. And then after those, they put on the first real leaf, and they're a lot easier to ID. Yes. Yeah, that's true. But yes, you're right. At that point, liatris and coneflower look really similar. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, yeah. Unless you're Bob, and then he can just walk through a greenhouse, and yeah. Tell you what everything is before it even comes up. Well, when you pot so many of them <laughs> up, uh, Allium's another one of my garden that yeah. it seeds around more than I want, but I want it to seed, so I just pull some of them. Now does that, it seed or does it spread through their babies? Okay, I don't know. I mean, it does clump spread, right? But mine has babies too. Mm-hmm. And then there's things like um, Ipomopsis and Linum uh-huh. that if you don't let them seed, you won't get to keep them because they're biennial plants. Right. So the plant that you put in the ground is not going to live very long. Monarda, too? Uh, that's or more no. like a shorter. I mean, yeah. Monarda can live for quite a while. But there's so there's annuals, there's biennials, mm-hmm. and then there's just short-lived perennials, which is yeah. this huge category <laughs> that might live anywhere between three and five years. Yeah, and some people don't consider that that short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rudbeckias, however, well, those can be a problem. They're in another class of things that can seed to the point where they take out other plants. Mm-hmm. And I stopped planting this. Um. But you deal with them pretty much the same way. If you know a plant is a problem, you can cut off its seed heads before the seeds mature. So you can mm-hmm. let it bloom. You can get all your enjoyment out of it and then cut off the seed heads before they mature. I have not had this problem at all with my super tall Rudbeckia. Good. Oh, yeah. Ru- okay. So yeah. Rudbeckia subtomentosa, the yeah. the sweet coneflower or... Um, some of the like really tall ones. Yep. They don't seem to do that at all. No. The one I'm talking about is the black eyed Susan yes. one. Yeah. It's a beast. Mm-hmm. It's not nice. Yeah, I've I've talked to many a gardener who has regretted putting yeah. that in. And I wanna know like who is it? It's still on all the recommended lists. And I don't know yeah. if I understand why. But it's gotta come off because people are having problems. I think because it's easy. It is super easy. And if you if you want a, something to fill up a space Uh maybe it's not a problem for you Mm -hmm. especially if it's a defined space i think it's really important to yeah plant based on the space yeah you know if you have a small space and you need each plant to kind of behave because there's only that much room Mm -hmm. rudbeckia and coneflowers might not be your thing at the same time, if you don't mind a monoculture and you don't want to deal with it, yeah, there's, <laughs> that's the one to go with. I mean, 20 square feet of Rudbeckia could be really pretty in front of, you totally. know, a rental house that you can't spend a lot of time mm-hmm. or money on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be bright yellow. They bloom for like the whole year. Yep. And then even when they are done blooming, they're still kind of pretty. They can be cut flowers. They can be cut. So there you go. Okay, we're going to pivot again. Lots of questions about weeds. Okay. And we're going to take two specific ones. Okay. Um, one, because it's an actually invasive plant. Mm-hmm. And that's, what do you do with Bishop's weed? Um, if you got it, I'm sorry. And that goes yeah. for anything on the invasive species list. Um, if you have an invasive species, I would contact your extension and ask them yeah. very specifically um invasive species are not just bad weeds they're they can be considered something that the that they will help you control yes because they don't want it to get out of control right and even if they can't physically help you they can give you very specific recommendations for your area yes so Bishop's Weed is one of those. And I Googled some of the most common recommendations. And it's not easy. It's like dig up your soil. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Then what do you do with it? You, Take it to the dump? Well, <laughs> no. It wants, they want Sterilize you it? to do two foot by two foot sections at a time. Dig up all the soil um, down below the rhizomes. 
shake the soil off the rhizomes, making sure you get all the rhizomes out of it and put it back in. Who does that? I don't know. TheGardeningChannel.com does that. Oh, yeah. I don't know who's doing that in real life. (laughs) That sounds very hard. Um, But they aren't very optimistic. You have to be really aggressive to get rid of it with herbicide. And that's true of a lot of rhizomaceous species, the things that can spread underground. So those rhizomes, think of like an iris. Mm Mm-hmm. They store a lot of energy, yeah, and that energy can outgrow an herbicide very quickly. So, like, you might kill a branch of it, but it'll pop up a new one. So what you're saying is the things that will take over the planet are mushrooms and rhizomes. Yep. All right. Yep, mushrooms and rhizomes. You're in trouble if you don't like those things. <sighs> Better make friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're using herbicide... You need something, what we call systemic. So, like, there's herbicides that just, you spray on the leaf, it causes problems, it's enough to kill a plant. Mm -hmm. Or there's systemic herbicides that the plant takes into its system. Right. And that's where you can get down and kill those roots. Poison. So, glyphosate is probably the most common. Yeah. And then the other thing you want to do is one application's probably not enough. You need to read the label whenever we use herbicides. Always read the label, the whole label. label. Um, And actually, this is where a lot of blame gets put on agriculture, but it's almost very frustrating in the gardening world. When you buy herbicides at the garden center, they're still required to come with a label, Mm -hmm. but they're not required to make it easy to read. No. Um, And those little spray bottles, they have everything on them. If you have a magnifying glass, you can always go online and get the herbicide label for every brand name. And sometimes a PDF version is a lot easier to read. So this is going to tell you mixing rate. Yes. Mixing container type. Yes. The type of sprayers you can use with this. It's going to tell you the temperature you can spray at. The wind speed you can spray at. Yep. Maybe even the time of day and a range of dates for your area in the country. Yes. Um, And rain. And rain. When the last time it rained and things like that. When you think it might rain again. Uh When you can water. Uh Um. So if herbicides are something that has scared you, there's really very, very clear instructions. Mm-hmm. You just need to take the time to read them. Yes. Um, and don't get lazy about it if you're somebody who thinks, oh, I've been using them forever. Let's actually refresh because sometimes what we think yep. we remember isn't right. Yeah. And if you want to be really targeted, you can get ones that are on like dabbers instead yeah. of sprays as well. That's actually what I use. It's not... Um, Unless it was sold in that container, it's not a legal way to store it. Right. But we can pour it in. I will sometimes buy, like, they make them for kids to make dots with paint. Yeah, or the bingo ones. Or, yeah. Like the that, bingo stampers. And yeah. I will use it that time, and they're mm-hmm. cheap enough that I can use them yeah. one at, once at a time. Sometimes people use cotton balls and stuff, but you yeah. want to make sure maybe you wear rubber gloves when you do that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, sometimes with those weeds... Maybe we try to stay away from herbicides because we care about the things that live in our yards. Mm -hmm. But if we care about the things that live in our yards, we need to get rid of invasive species. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to fight fire with fire. Fire would be an excellent way to get rid of Bishop's weed, except that it's very hard to control burn your backyard. So (laughs) let's not do that. Because it wouldn't get the rhizomes. I don't know if it would. I think you'd have to have a really hot fire. Yeah. Um, solarizing is also suggested. I find you need to solarize for three years. Yeah, I, I have never. I have had successful experience solarizing in school, mm-hmm. but in the real world, it can be really hard to do. Yeah. Um, to the point of getting rid of an invasive species, you mm-hmm. might get rid of some basic weeds, but to solarize to the point of getting rid of invasive species would be hard. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> we can come back if you remember. The yeah. other question was bindweed. Mm-hmm. And um, I really loved the Facebook comment. 
with this question in it because the question was actually can we just find a way for bindweed to be beneficial so that we can stop trying to get rid of it because it's impossible right because there are some that we get rid of like creeping charlie and lamb's quarters yeah are both some that i've heard you can make tinctures from and things to to be beneficial think that there was one time we met someone who wove a basket out of bindweed sure um great (laughs) (laughs) i don't want my bindweed getting big enough that it could make a basket Mm -hmm. bindweed falls also in that category of things i was i pulled up backyard farmer to see what they said what do the backyard farmers tell us bindweed can grow roots 33 feet long and so when you think you pulled off a piece you didn't you broke a stem and every time you break a stem we pruned it and we gave it a branching point you gave it somewhere so that's why you know we say when you pull bindweed sometimes you cause more problems than you started with the only true the only thing i've been able to find online that actually gets rid of bindweed is glyphosate Mm -hmm. you can use surface herbicides You can even use some of your homemade ones like vinegar. You'll kill Mm -hmm. those leaves. Yeah. But you're not killing the plant that's Mm -hmm. living underground. Yeah. I was amazed. Is this the one that you said where the seeds last 40 years? Yes. The seeds of bindweed can live in your soil for up to 40 years. Viably. Yes. And then live. Yeah. And grow. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I did find backyard. This is backyard farmer's suggestion. Yes. Yes. Tell us what for bindweed. I've always done the dabbing method where you cut yes. the stem and dab it with glyphosate. Yes. Um, because I, I just like how controlled that is. Right. And my biggest bindweed problem is in my vegetable garden where I don't yeah, like to use any want... herbicides. Mm-hmm. But the other option is to have bindweed in my peppers, which is really hard to take care right. of. Right. And it's just going to kill your peppers. So their suggestion was to put on a rubber glove, mm-hmm. put on a cotton glove over the rubber glove. Okay. Spray some glyphosate on the palm of your hand and then use that to kind of like pet the bindweed. Mm-hmm. And that way the back of your hand is clean. So if it brushes the pepper plant or something that the bindweed's under, yeah, you didn't get any herbicide on that. It's also really maniacal. It which is. makes it fun because you can like pet it and be like, oh, I love you. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. I've seen things like put the herbicide in a plastic baggie and tie that over the leaf. So that it has to keep taking it in. Yeah. I don't think from, I think what would happen is you would cause enough damage to that leaf. It wasn't taking anything in anymore. Yeah. So I don't know that that's super effective. Yeah. I have heard it with um, weed trees. Like if Mm -hmm. you cut the tree and you can't dig out the roots, like dab it and then put plastic over it. Yeah. And then what you're doing is sealing in. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that. I don't think it works I'm not sure. Just one leaf. It works with one leaf. Yeah. If you could stick like half the vine mm-hmm. in there, it probably would. Yeah. I also worry that um, people maybe wouldn't use very good quality plastic bags. Yeah. And the herbicide would be coming out of that. Get all over yeah. other things. So there you go. There's there, We got to, sometimes we have to be harsh. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of ways to deal Scorched with. Scorched earth. We work really hard to give you guys chemical free ways to handle stuff in your yard. But if you don't want to fight bindweed for the rest of your life. I mean, we gave you a chemical free way to do it. Yeah, we did. (laughs) You can try it. Please let us know how it goes. Yeah. We are not available for physical health. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't know how that'd work with bindweed. 33 foot long root system. I just like. It's like your whole yard. (laughs) Yeah. My whole yard is not 33 feet long. Right. Now you're doing work for the neighbors. Well, and that's part of all of our problems is that none of us live, maybe some of you on acreages, but not many of us live where our garden has no interaction with other people's yards. Right. Yeah. That's a problem. Okay. That exhausts my list of questions. I combined them into some categories. And it exhausts me. We've both been (laughs) yawning. Lucky for you guys, I can cut all of them out. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you have any other questions, definitely send them in because we'll keep answering questions throughout. Yeah. So please do that. You can give it to us in social media. You can send emails. If you are privileged enough to have our numbers, <laughs> you can send them that <laughs> way. You can use our speak pipe, as I say at the end of every podcast. So keep sending in your questions all throughout 
the gardening season. And we do answer you. Yes. Even though we might not share it until yeah. a different time on the podcast. Yeah, we you don't have to like wait a month. Yeah. That'd be that'd just be mean. Give us your questions, but we'll answer them next right. month. <laughs> yeah. No. So what's blooming? Yeah. Let's talk Everything. about it. Everything is blooming. I have things that have finished blooming. Yes. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what's currently blooming. My prairie smoke. Oh, so happy yeah. with it. It's been blooming. I think it, really? I might have mentioned it last time. Yeah. That it was about to bloom. Mm-hmm. My calico penstemon's about to bloom. Mine is blooming. Yes. My funky tulips that I planted last fall bloom. Okay. Yeah. One of them never grew a stem. So they were like these spider tulips. Huh. And three of them grew up on a stem like a tulip should. And the other one just made its flower on the ground. Sure. Whatever. You be you. Yeah. Tulip. It was really neat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. What about you? Yeah. So I have some pinstamen blooming. I have purple poppy mallow blooming already. I have some sedum. Ooh, yeah. That is blooming. It's gorgeous. Of course, some uh, geranium. All good stuff. Oh, yeah. My geranium is too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What has finished blooming for you? Woodland poppies. <clears throat> We're pretty much done. Hellebore, done. Um, I think, I mean, my iris, the ones that continuously bloom are, are still blooming, but some of my iris are done for the year. Interesting. My iris just hit their peak. Oh, did they? Like two days ago. Mm-hmm. And some haven't even really started. Yeah, yeah. My so. pasc flower is done. Yep, pasc flower, done. My basket of gold is done. I just planted mine this year, so it didn't. So bloom. yeah, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yep. So oh, my lina, my blue flax, it's just one of my favorite flowers. Yeah, is in yeah. full bloom right now. Yes, yeah. And I have some allium that have bloom and some that haven't, mm-hmm. and just a variety. So we'll see how those go. It's coming to the time when finding something that's blooming is a lot easier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a full list. We fought it hard this winter, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We had some times when it was hard to come up with something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But now we're in just beautiful times. Yes. I love it. Well, what can we look forward to from us for the summer? We've got our next episode will be for Wildflower Week in June. And then... Mm -hmm. um, We'll probably, I think we're going to go back and forth between covering, like, working garden episodes yeah. and some more, like, essence of gardening mm-hmm. episodes. <laughs> we have some new perfume. The essence of, of gardening. I don't think it smells good. a little bit of soil. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like sweaty person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and sunscreen. That's what my car smells right. like. I know. Kind of dampness, sunscreen, <laughs> and sweat. <laughs> Somebody would pay for that. You know they would. Yep. They'd be like, if that way people think I've been gardening. All I've been working so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some new people to introduce you to. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Kindler is our new colleague, and we'll see. We've got some students helping us for the summer you may get to meet, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. It'll be exciting. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to your podcast. Please share us with friends. Share it on your social media. Share it everywhere. Tell the person next to you. Just turn to the left. Tell them about the podcast. Turn to the right. Tell them about the podcast. (laughs) We'll do it all. Send us your questions. Speak pipe. Email. All the different places. Um, Bloombox and Bloombox Growing Deeper are both programs of the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum.